0: This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Good Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, on the road today in New Albany. Leading into this weekend's Tallahatchie Riverfest in downtown New Albany, we are at the corner of Bankhead Street and the West Bankhead and Railroad is directly across the street from us. I guess we're at the corner of West Bankhead and the Tanglefoot Trail, which starts directly behind us, 44 miles of paved pathway that draws visitors from all over the United States, and uh, basically, in uh, any non-combustible mode of transportation is allowed on the uh, the Tanglefoot Trail. You can walk it, you can jog it, you can run it, you can skateboard it, you can bike it, you can e-bike it, rollerblade, you can rollerblade it, all right, all right. you can unicycle it, pogo stick. If you wanted to pogo stick it, you can do that. Right. You can even take a battery-powered golf
1: cart. Okay.
2: What you cannot do is take a, uh, a motorized vehicle. So no four-wheelers, no side-by-sides, no gas-powered golf carts.
1: Can't drive your truck down the uh, Tanglefoot Trail. Okay. I-, I guess you can. You may not. You only get so far before they ask you to stop.
2: Yes, they would. Uh,
1: yes. You're not going to get all 43 miles.
2: That is uh, that is correct. It's a, uh, a great attraction, as is... All of downtown New Albany. I was here this morning uh, for the the Gallo show and had a great time, uh, kind of learning about and telling some of the stories of New Albany, and we'll do some of that with you from a sports angle. This afternoon, alongside Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross, Sports Talk Mississippi, on the road today. But as always, in the Pearl River Resort studio, Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. You can uh, find them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. If you want to book a tee time, you are more than welcome to do that. You know those people? You know that
1: guy. I know that guy. I saw that guy. Literally, the worst person in the world, right there. I, I love so, you too.
2: I saw Ben Garrett, who lives here in uh, in New Albany. Right. at Five forty-five this he morning. He told me that when
1: we went to lunch. Yeah,
2: it Is was it, a uh, birthday. Yeah. For for the uh, the littlest or the, the
1: biggest. I think it's the oldest. Okay, I think it was the oldest person, and she wanted. Hey, he, to, he hadn't walked away. We could have
2: asked him. She had a special request for breakfast, and he was making a breakfast run. There you go. Uh, For her before school this morning. So uh, good, good dad work there. Good dadding. That's how, that's how it's done. Uh, PearlRiverResort.com. Find out more about all that's going on there. Seaspire text line, as always, is open to you. 601-879-4395. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, you heard his voice. Michael Borky in Studio X today. Did uh, he, he did not make the trip to North Mississippi. Saved you a few miles on the road, Borky. A- and it's been like the, the tale of two days all in one day. It was chilly this morning. Was that, it was long pants. Yeah, had a pullover on this morning. You did. And uh, this afternoon it is uh, mid to upper 80s and uh, feels like the middle of summer. Yeah. So he, Gary even pulled out the uh, industrial fans, the fans, forky. Yeah. So uh,
1: pretty. Uh, why I'm surprised you sat in the middle. I thought you'd sit on the corner so you get full fan coverage there. That's what I did. Yeah, but if I sit on the side, then I'm not in the middle of the camera screen. Ah, uh, I get that. I'm, know,
2: vain enough. Yeah, not all ego. It. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Bort, um, you like TV numbers, don't you? I do. I know you do. I know you do. And we talked yesterday about that massive audience for the Colorado-Colorado State game. Could I interest you in a deeper dive into the television numbers of this year's college football season? Please. All right. So we gave you the numbers yesterday on the Colorado game. 9.3 million. The audience peaked at 11.1 million at no point during the entire four-hour window did the audience size go below 8 million people. That is massive for a regular season college football game, especially at that time of the day. It was the fifth most watched game in ESPN college football history and the most watched game in that time slot ever. Uh, Also, they set a record with online streaming numbers. Uh, In comparison to the other games last week, there were some games that, that did quite well. South Carolina Georgia and CBS did 5.4 million viewers Wow that's almost 4 million fewer than Colorado Colorado State
1: yes yeah. Tennessee
2: Florida did 5.3 million Alabama and USF you know is Alabama a draw here's your answer 4.8 million on ABC yeah Mississippi State LSU coming out of college game day did just shy of 3 million 2.8 million that's a really good size audience for uh, that game. It's right, not so those a numbers.
3: That number
1: would have been larger had it not been Yes. what it was. Yes. If, if it wasn't the first quarter, wasn't obvious what was going to happen. Right. Yeah. It certainly would have had the ability
2: to sustain an audience for, for longer than it did. Yes. All right. So across all of the networks, so ESPN's networks, including ABC plus CBS, NBC, Fox, FS1, and Big Ten Network. Those are the rated networks that carry college football. Across all networks, viewership is up year over year by about 110,000 viewers per game. A year ago through the first three weeks of the season, the average audience size was 1.845 million. This year, it's 1.957 million. ESPN is up, like, across all ESPN networks, up 6%. ABC-only games are down 17%. ESPN is up 2%. ESPN2 is basically flat. ESPNU is way down. Yeah, people are not watching ESPNU. So that's all kind of the the ESPN family of networks. Yeah. If you go to the other networks, CBS is up significantly, up 52%. Wow. Now remember, the SEC on CBS debuted last week. Right. So it's been primarily big 10 stuff, but they weren't airing college football. Yeah, last year. At least not big games right. the first 2 weeks of the season a year ago. Mm-hmm. NBC this year is down But Notre Dame has not had a big game yet. That number for NBC will skyrocket after this week. You think? Yeah. Believe it or not, Fox, who has had Colorado twice this year on Big Fox,
1: is actually down 2% year over year. But that being said, I'm pretty sure last year they had Alabama-Texas. Oh, that's right. Yeah, in week two. In week two. That that's a that's a really good point. Yeah, it, it's it's fractional, but it's down. And they haven't had Michigan on yet. They haven't had Ohio State on
2: yet. Yeah. So. Uh, FS1 is up five percent. Big Ten Network is down sixteen percent. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just a little bit deeper dive, and I, I don't know if any of that. I know that's a lot of numbers and a lot of percentage points to kind of throw at you. Um, yeah, suffice but, but, it to say, in, in terms of consumption, college football is quite healthy.
3: Exactly, and and that's kind of the thing, right? Is and, you know, the, the Dion phenomenon is helping, uh, sure, but uh, with all the discourse about how terrible it is, the, you're not going to lose fans because of uh, conference realignment and uh, because of NIL. You're going to lose fans for other reasons, expenses and stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff that we mentioned briefly yesterday when ADs are going to Capitol Hill whining and complaining, and by the way, they are not liking what they're hearing in response to all of these hearings, by the way. Um, they're kind of being told, wait, your model's kind of un-American, guys. You, you may want to consider, you know, fixing this on your own, because if you ask us, you're not going to like what you get. Imagine that. But they're not tackling the issues that are actually going to keep fans away from games. Yeah.
2: Because um, the product and is you know still would great. Be interesting, Borky, if you took these television numbers, which are year over year up, and you compared them side by side to attendance numbers... I wonder if you would see that attendance numbers are down. Oh, probably. but I I, I don't know. I mean, there have been a lot of good crowds, but there have been a lot of slim crowds, too. I I
3: wouldn't be surprised. I mean, places like Ohio State, for example, who used to fill up every seat for every game, they don't for the bad games anymore. Uh, They they just simply don't. And that's a phenomenon that exists uh, everywhere. uh, That, you know, Alabama might not fill every seat on Saturday. That's a, a, a realistic possibility. But, you know, we've had... In this conversation in the past, we've had people text us and say, well, maybe the ratings are up because the fans are leaving the stadiums. Do you know how small of a percentage the fans that aren't in the stadiums versus like being at home is? It's it's not even a factor. It is such a small percentage of a television audience that it doesn't even show up. If there are 10,000 fewer Ohio State fans at the game, that doesn't impact ratings at all it's a, a, a small decimal point
2: on a much larger uh, number. so I was trying to come up in my mind earlier with a comparison because I feel like when we get to big numbers they're just numbers and they don't actually like register. like we hear the number million or you know a, as it pertains to coaches' salaries or, or whatever so often that it's almost like it doesn't even feel like a big number anymore. and so to put into perspective the peak audience for that Colorado-Colorado State game on Saturday night that ended at 2.30 a.m. on the East Coast. To put it into perspective, the state of Mississippi has roughly 2.8 million people. Yes. The number of people watching that game was the population of the state of Mississippi times four. Four. So if every person, every single man, woman, child, and other in the state of Mississippi had three friends with them, and all of those people were watching the exact same thing on television at the exact same time, then you have the same number of people that were watching that game, which feels like a lot. It's a lot. Sports Talk Mississippi, just getting started with you. Pearl River Resort Studio on the road today in New Albany,
0: Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi.
4: Do you ever
5: get so excited that you just can't wait?
0: Yes. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial. Here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Sports Talk Mississippi with you on the road today in New Albany, Mississippi, getting ready for the Tallahatchie River Festival this weekend. Time to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We always appreciate it when our guests work, themse- or work, uh, work us into their busy schedules. And uh, in the case of our guest today, he actually canceled a manicure appointment to uh, to join us on the radio. Uh, ESPN and the SEC Network's Tom Hart. Good afternoon, Tom. Thanks.
6: They're still working on my feet, though. I didn't cancel the whole thing. I just I talked with my hands, so I needed to have them free. But the uh, pedicure is coming along nicely. Hey, hold on. I don't like that's, that shade. That's gross. It's so pink.
2: Oh, oh, it went from gross to weird. we, we got to get away from the foot fetish conversation. Uh, hey, man, thanks for uh, for spending a few minutes with us. You've kind of been on the uh, the Mississippi tour for the last couple of weeks in, in Starkville uh, for the wild game against Arizona, uh, in Oxford last week for what was kind of a, a strange and at times wild game against Georgia Tech, and now you're headed to Columbia, South Carolina. Let, let's go to the most recent game that you did, the Ole Miss-Georgia Tech game. What was your impression of Ole Miss walking away from Saturday night after seeing them in person?
6: Well, they're a really good game. Uh, we're sorry, a really good team. Um, Georgia Tech has a long way to go, but it's still a Power 5 opponent from a major conference, um, and they totally dismantled what Georgia Tech wanted to do. Um, I, I don't think you can talk about Ole Miss right now without putting into context what's coming up and where Alabama is. And so, you know, after after being around the team a little bit, watching them play, and seeing what's going on with Alabama, I mean, I, I've i been wrong before, but I feel really good about where the Rebels are right now and um, the, the opponent they have this weekend. And that hasn't been said very often. Am I right, Richard? Ole Miss is only won in Tuscaloosa twice. One was yes. under freeze, and the other one was an 88, and after that game somebody threw a brick through Bill Curry's office window. Like, this, this is a rarity, and I think they're in really good position to pull it off for a third time ever. I, I, I think they're really good, and I think from a skill position standpoint, they're only getting better as they get healthier and get more guys introduced to the offense.
2: And you know, one more nugget about that 1988 game, I I was told, uh, and I have no reason not to believe, that was the day that they dedicated the Bear Bryant Museum in Tuscaloosa, and then they had a rededication ceremony because they felt like it was not appropriate to have dedicated that museum on a day that Alabama lost a game.
6: (laughs) that, That may be the most Alabama thing ever.
2: Yeah. Um... What about the absence of Caden Priestcorn, which has made the tight end position non-existent? And in fairness, we haven't seen him in a regular season game for Ole Miss. And then also Trey Harris, who had four touchdowns in the opener and a touchdown on the opening drive against Tulane, but then he's been banged up. How much do you think that affects Ole Miss's ability to kind of do what you were talking about, possibly go in and and knock off Alabama in T-Town?
6: Well, I'll throw the question back at you. Where do we stand with Trey Harris this coming weekend? Because my assumption was that he was building back to return on Saturday. Has that been confirmed yet? Uh, Yeah, Ole Miss is really open
2: with their injury policy. They just kind of lay everything out there for the public and and let everybody know. Um, No, the the people that were at practice yesterday said he was in a black non-contact jersey and was watching. Um, I think okay. Zakary Franklin went through the motions and, and practiced, and Caden Priestcorn was full go. So, we'll, we'll see. I'll be interested to see how that shakes out when they take the field on uh, on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, hey, you, you did uh-huh. Alabama earlier this year as well. You you've seen them in person. What what what's
6: going on with the tide? Well, I'd like to say it all starts at the quarterback position, but it's evident that it also. Um, starts with the offensive line, and, and obviously they're interconnected. Nick Saban told me when we were talking about transfer portal and the impacts of that, and um, I said, you know, you've, you've mentioned this in the past, that it really impacts your depth. Is that, the, is that the case again? And he said, yes, most certainly, specifically on the offensive line. And he said, no, we don't no longer have those two, three-year players that are good enough to play but just haven't seen the field yet because they bounce and they go somewhere else. And so he pointed out, I think there are three or four guys they lost this offseason, that in in an Alabama situation, and not that they're different from everybody, but under Nick Saban they have been a little bit different. It's, It's not just how well can you play on a given Saturday, but can you beat out the guy that's nipping at your heels on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And they don't have that same level of competition because they don't have that same depth. The offensive line has been despite their massive size, have been a a huge disappointment. So uh, let's start there, first and foremost. But secondly, there's no secret that what ails Jalen Milrow is um, recognizing defenses, the processing, and and no one's going to be as good as Bryce Young. He was amazing. And accuracy on on intermediate throws. He throws a beautiful deep ball. But when I was at practice and what we've seen from him before – if you're, he's throwing a crossing route, it's on a back hip or a little bit high or, you know, a little bit low, a little bit behind. And I think that they wanted to figure out if they had something better. And the answer after the game in Tampa was an emphatic <laughs> no. They, they don't have anything better. So it's back to square one right there. And, and that's where it all begins for Alabama. The defense wasn't good against Texas. Don't get me wrong. Um, however, it's all, It all starts on the offensive end, in my mind.
2: One more thing about this Ole Miss-Alabama game coming up this weekend. It's been quite the back and forth, not directly but indirectly, between uh, Lane Kiffin and and Nick Saban. Do you think Lane Kiffin is just playing games? Do you think there's more to it in what they have seen from Alabama's defense? And Do you think he was just trying to give Nick Saban something else to uh, put on his plate and stew about this week?
6: I would answer yes to all of those questions. They all can be true okay. at the same time. Um, <laughs> That's fair. I, I, my, guess, my guess is they saw something in the game. There may have been a moment where, you know, they had a big lightning delay. Um, and I haven't seen this confirmed anywhere. And I'm not, but, but my guess is that, like, maybe T-Rob did call a series or two. Maybe the headsets were down. You know, that could have happened. Um, Kevin Steele could still very much be the defensive coordinator. Lane, as you know, can be... Brutally, like he can be honest to a fault, and if you ask him a question, he has a hard time lying. In the sense that he's going to hesitate and go, "Uh, "Maybe I shouldn't answer that." But most often, he'll answer it. And whether he wanted purposely get that out there, or the opportunity just kind of arose, or he was honestly answering a question, some amalgamation thereof. But I I think that he was just being brutally honest. Here's what we've seen. Here's our observation. Oh, yeah, we made some phone calls over there. This is what was going on on Saturday. Um, Does he know that that could also cause turmoil within those walls? Of course he does. Does he think (laughs) that that turmoil may give him the best chance to win or a better chance of it? it? Listen, he is an analytical genius. If he knows... That that can give them a 0.02% better chance to win because it's going to take somebody's attention off of the game at hand and somewhere else. And yeah, he's going to play that card too. Uh, so I I think all of that could be true at the same time.
1: Tom, we got a couple minutes left here. You were in Starkville two weeks ago. Mississippi State didn't play very well against Arizona, but got the win. Last week the wheels fell off against LSU. You weren't particularly high on State in the preseason. What you saw on this these past two weekends had to sort wonder why. Co- yeah, I know. Uh, You had to confirm, though, what you were thinking before the season started. Well,
6: let me kind of backtrack a little bit. When we talked in mid-August, I hadn't seen him. There hadn't been any games played. I thought the transition was going to be difficult. But then once I saw him and spent some time at practice and did some math, yes, people who I talked to while I was there man, I was really high on the culture around the program on the experience that they have, especially at the linebacker position, and having one of the league's most prolific passers returning with a good backfield and and if not a great backfield. Um, there were question marks elsewhere. But when I left Starkville after that Arizona game, I didn't leave thinking the glass was half empty. Uh, I didn't leave thinking, man, they had a hard time finishing those drives and, all, and, and left a lot of points on the table. I left going they took the ball away five times. You know, they showed flashes offensively of, I thought they were too conservative in that game, which might might play a role in why they left points in the game. I thought there's better ways to use Will Rogers, and they're going to figure that out as they get more reps under their belt. And then I watched the LSU tape, and I went, what is this? I mean, it looked awful. It looked like they took three steps back. Um, so, yeah, I... Obviously, there's somewhere in between that. They're better than they showed against LSU. They need to find how to best use their quarterback and how to how to best use offensive philosophy, not just for Will Rogers, but going forward.
2: Tom, always appreciate your time. Good catching up. Uh, you've got the SEC Network Saturday night game, 630, 730 Eastern, 630 Central from Columbia, Mississippi State, and South Carolina on Saturday night. Thanks, bud. All right,
6: fellas. Be good.
2: We'll talk to you soon. That's Tom Hart from the SEC Network and ESPN. His thoughts on Ole Miss and Mississippi State going into the Bulldogs game against South Carolina on Saturday night. We'll be right back.
0: Communication system is a go. go. This, this is Sports Talk, Mississippi. Right here on Super Talk, Mississippi. Exactly.
2: wondered something but had failed to actually look it up and we got a message on the ceasepire text line that jogged my memory on this so it was oh goodness somebody was at oh I thought the SEC on CBS was done last year or maybe that was just wishful thinking I was hoping I was done listening to Gary Danielson so back to what I was thinking about it just popped into my head when I saw that there was an SEC game at 2:30. And then there's a primetime game on Saturday night from the Big Ten. I was like, surely they're still sending Nestler and Danielson to the SEC. Right. Negative. Negative. You've got the, in terms of internally, the A-team, Brad Nestler, Gary Danielson, Jenny Dell, in Happy Valley on Saturday night for Iowa-Penn State. In the SEC, now, again – Internally, that's the A team, and they are sending the B team to the SEC game. I don't know if it's going to be like this week after week or if it's just a one-off. It's a pretty good crew. Tom McCarthy, Ross Tucker, Jason McCordy, and Tiffany Blackman on the sideline.
1: Does Ole Miss have any players that play multiple positions? Because then we can hear how they are the greatest football player of all time from Ross Tucker. Similar to Jim Thorpe. He, he got duped by that? No. He went on the air and said he compared Taysom Hill to Jim Thorpe. He's called him one of the greatest football players of all time. Well, he clarified
3: do? that on uh, on a show uh, no, 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 a couple no. days he didn't later. Clarify? He doubled down. Right. But what he's saying is, as a a player of the game of football, there is nobody that has been able to do more. Than Taysom Hill. I mean, he plays quarterback. He plays running back. He plays tight end. He is the gunner on special teams. He blocks punts. He uh, that that's what he was referring to is as a as a just a football player. He is yeah. on an island of one because of how versatile he is. Well,
2: regardless, that's silly. Yeah, I mean, you so yeah. Depending like on what deal, your what Cole. your definition of. Does more is, I mean, you could argue that Drew Brees did more for the Saints than Taysom Hill does. But Drew but Brees couldn't line think, up at tight end and catch passes either.
1: That's true. No, but he meant more. We need we need but, we need but, James here, man. The trains here.
2: Oh, yes, he'd be we done. need Mister
1: James. James would love some downtown New
2: Albany working. Yeah. He would. I mean, it's been a, a steady dose of trains throughout the day.
3: Yeah, um, I mean, we would get a lawn no, no, chair and I,
2: just sit for hours. He would enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that fascinating to you guys, though, that uh, it's like one
1: more time of CBS kind of thumbing its nose Well, I mean, yeah. at the SEC? And this one's kind of deliberate, too. I mean, Ole Miss-Alabama is a much bigger game than, than Penn State-Iowa. Much bigger game. There's two top 15 teams going at it. But they're, they're going to send – I mean, I don't even know that. Like, like Borky was saying in the break, I don't know that's even the B crew. Well, I think Borkey was making the point that that was
2: a better crew. It's a better crew, Nestler. Yeah.
1: um, Oh, I don't know. Well, I mean, in terms of I don't like Gary Danielson. Sure. Yeah. But in terms of prestige as broadcasters, no, 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 no. no. Tom McCarthy's really, really good, and he does a lot of NFL games. He does some college stuff
2: and and whatever else. But again, uh, the point being in here is CBS is not sending the crew that has been synonymous with Southeastern Conference football
1: for two decades, fifteen years. Yeah. To do an Alabama game in Tuscaloosa. Do you think Danielson was like, What do you mean I'm not going to Tuscaloosa? I don't get to see Nick? What uh, do you mean? I don't know. I imagine his check clears regardless. I uh, probably said. So. so,
2: anyway, that was just a uh, fact. Hey, I, we're doing it. I'll give you your TV assignments for the games this weekend if you're watching. Uh, Auburn, Texas AM, Bobble Shoes, and RG3, and Chris Budden. Uh, Vandy. The Vandy Kentucky game—the one that Hey Dad can't wait for. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Zarzer match matched Ntisco Melissa Lane. We gave you Ole Miss Alabama. Uh, Dave Neal Derek Mason and Taylor Davis are doing UTSA in Tennessee. Have, have y'all seen
1: any of Derek Mason this year? No. I, I don't think not. I've watched a game that he's been a part of. Yeah. Um. Now he's got what game? T U Tennessee. Yeah. What 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 uh, what network? SEC Network. I'll, I'll give it a look. Yeah.
2: Um. Charlotte and Florida's Clay Matfic and Aaron Murray. Arkansas LSU, the uh
1: the big, the big crew. Chris Fowler, Kirk Curb Street, Holly Rowe on that game. Yeah, surprise they're not at Oregon, Colorado. You think it's called Chris Fowler it's, is Colorado uh,
2: alum? No, I don't think that's what it is. I think that game's on ABC. Which they bounce back and forth between well, the what two. That's who do that, yeah. I, I'll tell you who's on that one in just a second. Yeah. Uh UAB Georgia, Brian Custer, Rod Gilmore, Lawrence. Hissler. Uh, Memphis and Missouri's Courtney Lyle and Hudson Mason and
1: Hudson Mason. Wow, kind uh, of been a long time.
2: Tom Hart and Jordan Rogers and Cole Kublik on State and South Carolina. There you go. Yeah, you you have me you have me curious. Who's doing that? Um, well, it's got to be. Is it uh, test Store? Yeah, it's Tess and Jesse Palmer and yeah. Katie George. There you go. So, oh man. Joe Tessitore on a Colorado game. Yeah, it should be fine. Borky, you just thought he hyped up the cowbells last oh, week. Oh my god! See, that that is why I'm very thankful because I'll have to have
3: Colorado on TV two, and TV two is muted. Did and
2: you see? The, I'm, the, I'm I'm not tweet muted. announcer that. guy. Pacific
1: Northwest. That's pretty good. You see the tweet today from from some, some some Colorado fans that said
2: the greatest story in college football this season is on your television for one of the loudest venues in the
1: country. That's pretty good. That's not a bad test. Thanks. So somebody tweeted out that Dion was piping in crowd noise today at Colorado's practice, and they're like, "This is the genius of Dion Sanders." And all of the replies are like, "Welcome to college football, guys. We've missed you. We've yes. missed Colorado. Yeah,
2: thanks, Colorado." Glad glad you're picking up on the things that worked for others. Mississippi
1: State, we're going to pipe in cowbells. Can you believe it? Unbelievable.
2: Unbelievable. So Borky, you you, yesterday and all of your marketing and literary genius gave the weekend a nickname. Uh, Prove it Saturday. Yeah. And so you have an idea that is the next level of going through prove it Saturday? Yeah,
3: there's a bunch of teams uh, that fall into that category, of course starting with the ones right here in this state, and uh, let's start with Mississippi State uh, w- yeah. the Bulldogs have to prove it this weekend If I, what is the biggest thing though that Zach Ornette, the program, whatever what does Mississippi State
1: have to prove this weekend? That they can be competent offensively that they, they, when they go out there they don't look like a group of five team playing a power five team that they can move the football, they can run and pass equally as well, that Will Rogers or Mike Wright or whoever's taking those snaps uh, can, can. Do you know something? I don't. But I'm also smart. I also watch the games, and I know that they can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again. So if Rogers comes out and he's not effective and they don't make a change, I'm going to go and we're going to come in here on Monday and I'm going to tell you about my long-term concerns with Zach Arnett at that point. Okay, so they got they they have to look like an SEC team. They're not playing Alabama or LSU this week or Georgia. They're playing South Carolina, it's a team they can match up with talent wise. This game should be competitive. States should have a chance to win it, and they they should be able to win it. I don't. I'm not going to predict that, but that's that's how this game should go.
2: At any point this week, has Kevin Barbey or Zach Arnett said anything? That- to tip a hand that leads you to believe that Mike Wright has a significantly bigger role
1: than he has had in the first three weeks? No. I was disappointed by something that came out of state yesterday, though. Uh, after practice, they talked to Chad Bumpus, and he was talk- asked about Creed Whittemore, and you know, his, he hasn't played as much since the first week, and he made the comment, at me, well, he plays the same position as, T- as Tulu," And I'm like, we're right back here to square one. Here again. we go again. Yeah, everything old is new again. Uh, because that was the same argument we had last year with Tulu and Ra Ra Thomas. Just gotta get your playmakers on the field. Gotta yeah. find a way to do it. Figure figure out a way to do it. Yeah. You guys are waiting on me? Someone's okay, good. Old-
3: yeah, that was uh, oh, yeah. that. Yeah, that was uh, that was good. Actually, kind of exactly what I was uh, hoping for. So good stuff, guys. Um, Buddy, you don't have to ask me to deliver. I show up. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's save Ole Miss for after the break. But uh, the the team across the field from Ole Miss. I mean, there's all kinds of discourse around the Alabama program, and honestly, a lot of people are picking Ole Miss to win this game. So what does Alabama have to prove on Saturday? It's weird to say, considering Nick Saban has proven to be the greatest college football
2: coach to ever live, but what does Alabama have to prove on Saturday? I, I'm going to apologize in advance to you. I, I'm, I'm just going to derail your question. And we're going to push Alabama and Ole Miss to the other side of the break because there is something that Tom Hart said that we didn't discuss after the fact Mm -hmm. that I don't think has been talked about. Now, people have said, okay, the transfer portal has affected Alabama. But nobody's really talked about why or or what that means. It's like, oh, they're losing players. I thought that was a really good uh, description of why the transfer portal has hurt Alabama. Because people have told jokes for years about, well, Alabama's 2 day deep is you know better than a lot of people starting 11. And it wasn't a joke. It was true. Yeah. I mean, it was five stars on top of five stars. And they still have that in terms of star ratings because of the way they have recruited. But the the point that he made about, I mean, five-star comes in, doesn't play. He's not sitting around and waiting two to three years to be developed so that he can get his turn to be the next great on the offensive line for Alabama. He's going, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to Georgia Tech, and I'm starting next year. I'm going to Ole Miss. I'm going to Mississippi State. I'm going to fill in the blanks. I'm going to Colorado, wherever it is. And that's a big deal. It it makes Alabama more like many of the teams that they have faced in recent years than ever they have been before. Sports Talk Mississippi. We will wrap up the three o'clock hour with you when we come back.
0: What we're gonna do right here is go back. And now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi,
1: That's right, yeah. I was doing it right here.
2: Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi, with you Wednesday afternoon in beautiful downtown New Albany, Mississippi. Main Street, which is West Bankhead in uh, in New Albany, is it is not a lightly traveled street. I mean, <laughs> hey, Dad, th- it like this is just constant, and it has been since about 10 minutes till six this morning. Yeah, uh, we've had a great time kind of visiting with some of the, the people that have made New Albany special and telling some of the uh, the stories of, of this city. And John Stroud joins us uh, right now, one of the all-time greats in uh, Ole Miss men's basketball history and uh, works with the SEC Network Plus on some Ole Miss uh, broadcasts and does some radio with David Kellum. And, uh, you wouldn't think that I would have had to give him a tutorial on how to put on a headset, <laughs> but I look up, hey, Dad, he's got it all
4: backwards. Uh, I don't do this every day. You know, this is, you know. It's I, supposed I to be like riding a bike. Uh, seasonal for me here. I'm not used to. I'd, re- I'd be more comfortable with the ball in my hands. I understand e- even, that. Even,
2: even with my age. I, I understand that. You are a Union
4: County native. This Mor- is Born and bred. Home to you. West Union School. And then grew up there. And then once I got, you know, older, you know, I coached city schools here in the Albany for 18, 17 years so I'm a little bit of both. A L- little bit of success along the way. Uh, and some good players. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that <laughs> but, helps. A key to coaching is you got some good players because, you know, everybody, most coaches know the X and O's and you got to have someone to put the ball in the basket.
2: Yeah, but you know what? It's a little bit different when you're talking about a small town. It's not like you're out recruiting them. I mean, so, some of it is You this
4: is the hand that you're dealt and you got to try and put them in the best position to win. True. And uh, it seemed like more and more now, even high schools are recruiting. So you hear about these kids That's moving true. in, moving out. I was unfortunate. I didn't have. Anything New Albany, they wouldn't move in here. I, you know, I, I would love to. I would have taken them, but uh, never happened. John, as somebody who's been here uh, a really long time and whose wife
2: works with the city, we, we talked with uh, Billie Jean this morning, and uh, she's your better half.
4: There's yes, not, no, no yes. question about that. What What in your mind makes New Albany special? Uh, the, just the town, the, the people. You know, small community. Everybody knows everybody, and it's just a good, close knit community. The churches are strong. The school system is strong. No crime here. We keep the taxes low. It's just—it's just a good place to retire and live. Yeah, we lived in Madison for 13 years in Jackson, and I've lived all over the country. And you know, we decided. Settled here 20 years ago with our daughters and raised them here in this school system. And so it's just a good place. Yeah.
2: I, I love downtown. I, I, it feels vibrant, whether you're talking about yeah. restaurants or
4: retail stores or offices. It just people are out and, and glad to be here. Yes. It's, it's, it's a good place. I enjoyed coaching here and working the kids. And now I put a little insurance on the side, and I know everybody. And it's just, it's just a good place to live. All right. So so you're a guy that has, has
2: stayed in pretty good shape, uh, have kind of taken care of yourself. How far have you gone down
4: the Tanglefoot
2: Pontac. Trail.
4: Okay, you've taken it to Pontotoc, which is how far from there? That you? is, uh, let's see, 7 to Ingemar and 4 to that crew, about 18, 19 miles. Okay. Was that on a bike or was that walking bi- or what? Bi- bike, and then we walked probably to just to Ingemar and back. Walking, you know, that's, Ingemar and back is 12 miles. That's a long way to walk. That's a pretty day. good walk. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's, 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 that's a good joint That's almost as yeah. far as you walk every morning. Almost. <laughs> almost. We, we, we usually do two miles down and two miles back, four, four miles in one hour. That's, that's good for us. We're getting, you know mid-60s now, so we can't do what we did 30 years ago.
6: Um,
2: we are in an interesting place right now, John, in, in college basketball well. in the state of Mississippi. Uh, we're only a couple of years removed from from a lot of apathy uh, among fans. Uh, Mississippi State, new coach last year with Chris Jans, and they make the tournament in year one, and there's some legitimate buzz around that Mississippi yes. State team with what they've got coming back yeah. and some of the pieces they've added. And then Coaching transition at Ole Miss this past offseason. You end up with Chris Beard coming in. Still waiting on the answer for for a couple of waivers uh, on transfer guys. That may or may not happen. But there is a buzz surrounding Ole Miss basketball that hasn't been there no. in, in quite some time as well.
4: Well, you know, Chris Beer's one of the reasons. You know, he's a proven winner. You know, everywhere he's been, he's won, and he's he has good recruiters on his staff. And uh, so Ole Miss is going to win. I don't know how much they're going to win this year, but, you know, you really can't I take that back because you really can't say this year because a year from now they may have a whole new team again. Well, you know, that's I, true. I, I couldn't coach in college now with this. With the NIL and, well, more importantly, the transport portal. You know, kid doesn't play, he's going to leave you. So I feel sorry for high school kids because why would, if if they don't play their freshman year, they may be gone their sophomore year. So uh, it's just, it's it's totally different now. I don't think the fans are going to like it as much. I don't like it as a former player and coach because you just can't really form a team and have a nucleus. It's turning over every year. Sure, and, sure. Uh, Of course, if you're a bad team in the league, like Ole Miss was last year, you know. Got a chance to get better in a hurry. You know, I, I think he's got some really good transfers in, and they're going to win some games. But the league is tough. John, what, what
2: about you? So you were a score-the-ball guy. I mean, you, yes. you could do it. And you got two defensive-minded
4: head coaches in, in yes. Jans at Mississippi State and, and Beard here. C- could you have played for these guys? Well, I played for the for the. For the best, you know, uh, Here we I, go. I played for Bob Wetlick, who was Bobby Knight's right hand man. Yeah. And it was torture. It was just, you know, you can't imagine the practice that we had. You know, your man couldn't catch a pass in practice. You know, loose ball drills, take charge drills. But that was before the shot clock and for the three point shot. And in a lot of games, the only person who could shoot was Stroud. So get the, get the ball to Stroud because he's going to score. So we'd make 20 passes in a possession. And you know it was perfect for me with my with my game, but it was just uh, you know hard to go through with a coach like that. Yeah. So yeah, I, pro- I
1: promise you that Chris Jans, if he Probably. had a score like John Stroud, would have put him on the court and been like, yeah, we well, we'll play some <laughs> offense today.
4: No problem. Would have would have figured out well, a way to do you it. it. You know, it was just it's just you know. It, it was tough, but I enjoyed had a great career there yeah, no and you know, a lot of memories and it was it was good. John always good to see you. Yes, thanks for stopping yeah. by. No problem, Richard. Good thanks, luck John. to y'all this year. Hope we can work together on a
0: If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah. Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino, inside the Golden Moon Casino. Get in on the action there. Uh, learn more at PearlRiverResort.com. Alongside Michael Borke and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Good to visit with uh, John Stroud. Uh, Bo Bowman will uh, join us a little bit uh, later this afternoon. We'll talk about the... Uh, the tennis scene in New Albany, which is thriving. It's big. Yeah, I, I actually talked to Bo and um, his wife, uh, oh, goodness,
1: Susie, this morning. And we actually talked a lot about pickleball. I was about to ask, is it holding off pickleball here? In, in, is that How's that scene thriving?
2: It, it is a um, – they're cohabiting. Cohabiting. Or co- cohabitating. Cohabitating. Cohabiting is right, I think. Okay, uh, yeah, it, it sounds like uh, like the pickle and the tennis are getting along good. I think, good uh, at least for the most part. That, that's um, I think there's there's some headbutting in some oh, places. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: Tennis players don't like pickleball players, yeah, and, and and the opposite is true, I believe as well. Yeah. So, um, so th- there you go. We'll, we'll get into that, and then um, Eli
2: Whiteside going to join us in the yeah. uh, five o'clock hour today as well. Uh, Union County native and uh, former Big Leader World Series with the uh, San Francisco Giants.
1: Not no no chance of that being an issue this year.
2: Are they eliminated?
1: No, no, they, they don't are, have the E but, next to their name no, on the standings? No, but they're, they're, they're not going to make it.
2: Uh, there you go. Um, you can be a part of the conversation on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. I don't do as good a job monitoring that when we are... Oh, excuse me, around on the road? I missed anything super important on the
1: text line,
7: yeah.
2: As a tennis player, I'm sad so many courts have become pickleball courts in Oxford. Well, they're not exclusively pickleball courts, are they? Don't they just haven't they just overlaid the pickleball court on the tennis court so that you can do both?
1: I think I have no idea. I don't know. You need to uh, you need to open a pickleball center, the Cross Pickleball Pavilion. Did you know that's a thing? I'm sure it is. That's what I'm saying. You need to do
2: it. So. When we were talking about it this morning with, uh, with the Bowmans, he said there there is a pickle mall.
1: Like The pickleball pickle mall?
2: Well, I mean, so, like, big department stores, so many of them have gone out of business in malls, and so you've got massive open spaces, and there's a company that is going in and renting out those spaces and converting them with pickleball courts inside
1: the pickle mall.
2: And then you... I guess, sell memberships to it or rent them by the hour. Or I mean, yeah. I don't know if they're like you can drop a quarter in the bedpost and play pickleball. I don't know if that's how it works or not. But, I mean, there, there's some sort of arrangement where you are able to um,
1: – Is there a mirror on the ceiling at the pickleball court? What's going well, on here? I don't know.
2: I, I, that might create
1: illusions. Yeah, refractory problems. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, might have an issue with the pickleball looking bigger than it actually is. I, I don't know. Obje- what is that? Objects in the rearview mirror may appear closer than they are. Is that – this is, this is that the is a, song
1: this is an instance where you tried to get me I tried to come back to get you now you have returned fire and gotten me again. I'm gonna let you win this round something because uh, any worse than it we're gonna get pulled off the air I think so, Borky I, I wish I had a camera on you I'm curious if you're chuckling or just shaking
2: your head. Uh, so
3: it's good that the camera's not on me right now let's just put
2: it that way <laughs> that, is, that, is, uh, that is just as well um, So a prove it weekend. That's what we started a little yeah, while ago, and we made it yeah. through Mississippi State before we got derailed.
3: That's all right. Uh, so uh, with Ole Miss, what, what does Ole Miss have to prove this weekend? See, I think I think this weekend is about Lane Kiffin specifically, not necessarily about Ole Miss. Look, uh, we all know that, that Ole Miss is not Alabama, and that's okay. It, it, it likely never will be. The resource discrepancy is real. The history is real. But... Old Miss has gone to Tuscaloosa in one once in my lifetime, but it's not like this would be some unprecedented feat. And, and twice ever. Twice ever. Um, but but I don't think a winner or a loss in this game speaks to Old Miss. I think a winner or a loss, or the way the team looks in this game, will will say a lot more about Lane Kiffin in particular than it would say about Old Miss, if that makes sense. Yeah.
2: All right. So to piggyback off that, yes, I think what that would prove is that Lane has the ability to get his team ready for a big game and a big moment, and then cash in, right? Um, you know, kind of kind of get over the finish line when you because Ole Miss has had a lot of big game opportunities through the years, and more times than not, those big game opportunities have been a lot of hype and a lot of build up only to ultimately end up with disappointment. And and so, yeah, I mean, I, I get that. Prove it. You're a $9 million coach that puts you at the top ten in the entire country. Prove it. Sure. I would I, – it's maybe dovetails. I, I was trying to figure out how to verbalize this. That's why I hesitated when you asked the question a second ago. I, I've been rolling this around in my mind. This is an opportunity for Ole Miss to prove that they're ready. Right, so so, and and that's like ready to take the next step, ready to get over the hump, ready to get the ball over the finish line. Yeah, you know, you use whatever cliche you want, but that the moment is not too big, that the talent on the roster has has caught up, even if it's not all the way there, it's caught it up enough that you can mix good coaching with good players and get great results, as opposed to you've just got a roster that is more talented and therefore you go out and you don't have to play your A game and you still win. I don't know that Ole Miss is ever going to have that roster. And so it takes the the right mix and and kind of the right spot. And I don't think it hurts that Alabama's down a bit. That's not knocking Alabama, but our eyes tell us that, that Alabama is down. doesn't mean that they're going to stay down the entire season. But this Alabama team looks different than vintage national championship Nick Saban teams. It just does. So it's an opportunity for Ole Miss to say to,
1: to prove that, that they're ready for that next step. So is that what Alabama has to prove, that they're still Alabama? Because the, you, when you think about oh, it, I think it's way more micro than that for Alabama. I just look at Alabama, and we've, we've all written them off. But at the end of the day, if they win the rest of their regular season games, they'll go to the playoff. They'll go to, I mean, they'll at least go to the SEC championship game. And if they come out and make a statement against Do you Ole see Masters, a scenario where they win
2: every game remaining on their schedule?
1: I'm loath to say no because I know they have a ton of talent. Yes. And if they just get things going, if that engine starts to crank, everybody's in trouble. But they are not
2: as good as they have been on the offensive line. They They're do not. not have a Heisman Trophy candidate at running back, and they are average at the quarterback position. Jalen Milrose Limited. He's wildly talented. He throws a beautiful, tight, driving spiral deep ball. Mm -hmm. But he's very average in the intermediate game. He is elite with his feet. Mm -hmm. But if your offensive line is average, even the the most elite player in terms of what they can do with their feet is, is still limited.
1: When we say their offensive line is average... I mean, we're talking about average for Alabama. No, they're bad for – I mean, they're average. I'm just saying – Statistically average. Play, I, I just feel like they, the talent is there. They just aren't playing well. This isn't a situation where it's like, well, maybe yeah, there's a bunch of three-star kids that, that aren't very good and they're just not very good. This is a bunch of five-star kids that aren't playing well and they got to figure it out. And if they do, then they're going to be right back to where they've
2: always been. You know what the most fascinating thing – and I didn't even mention this. We were talking about it earlier about what Tom said. Is, is that depth? It wasn't just okay, somebody gets hurt and you roll somebody else out there. Mm-hmm. You, you've heard player after player from Alabama through the years say the most difficult part of what we did was practice mm-hmm. because you had to go so hard against a guy who was as talented at you as you but just younger to keep your spot. And if that doesn't exist, maybe a little bit of that edge is gone.
1: It's possible. It's possible, but I, like I said, this is a team. You're, go- you're going Mark Twain on Alabama, though, right? What's lies, damn lies, and statistics. No, rumors of oh, their demise dem- are greatly well, exaggerated. Again, you know, go back to when we talk about the Blue Chip Index, and this is a team that of their 85 scholarship players, like 76 of them are four and five star players. They have the, the talents there; it's just not clicking. If it clicks. They will they will run uh, okay, off. A okay, wins. okay, but let me throw you another example out here. An elite
2: team and an elite program that is very, very talented, that still wins ten games, but they just don't look like they did a few years right. ago. It could be them. We're talking about Clemson.
1: Yeah, it could be them too.
2: And we I mean is there anything about Clemson right now that makes you think, you know what, that's the same Clemson that they had when Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson no, was quarterbacking but
1: if, them? But if they win Saturday against Florida State, they may not lose again. But that doesn't mean that they're what they were. It doesn't mean they're what they were, but at the end of the day, they'll be in the college football playoff. And, and so, Borky, maybe Alabama
2: doesn't have to be what they were. Maybe they've just got to be better on this particular day than Ole this. And then they've got to just be better against Mississippi State and just be better against LSU. It's just a different mindset than what we've had with Alabama in years gone by. Um, so what does Alabama have to prove? That they're not average? Because right now, they feel way more average than they've ever felt. We'll see. We're back. Back
0: to Sports Talk Mississippi. It doesn't get any better than this. On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with Gigabit Fiber Internet from C Spire Business. A lot of you chiming in on the uh, C Spire text line. We will get to that coming up in uh, in just a bit. But right now we go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Peyton Titus joins us, Cover South Carolina to talk a little bit about the matchup in Columbia coming up on Saturday night, Mississippi State and South Carolina. Peyton, we appreciate some of your time this afternoon. This is a game that we have talked about going back to really July, as we were kind of Looking at the schedules for Mississippi State and South Carolina, and there's this this gauntlet stretch for both of them. For Mississippi State, it started last week at home with LSU. For Georgia, it started last week. Uh, or, excuse me, for South Carolina, it started on the week. I can't talk. On the road last week against Georgia. So, do you look at this game, do you think South Carolina is looking at this game as almost a must win because of what surrounds it?
8: Uh, I think so. I mean, this team approaches every game like it's a must-win, I would say. But this one is the first one that they've opened up as a favorite against an FBS team this season. So I think that's significant, and I think that speaks to the fact that this is kind of the first coin toss game, I guess, for lack of a better term, for South Carolina. Um, so I know they're playing with a chip on their shoulder after – what happened in Georgia over the weekend and feeling like that was a game that they could and should have won and so I think that coupled with the environment with it being at home at night um, and all of that I think this is definitely a game that they're approaching with a a kind of tenacity.
2: You know I'm, I'm fascinated if you kinda of do a compare and contrast with these two teams because I think Mississippi State fans largely right now are really really frustrated with what they saw on Saturday. I'm curious what the emotion is for South Carolina fans. Is there maybe a little more hope following the way South Carolina played against Georgia or is there a level of frustration?
8: I think it's a mixed bag, uh, which I think it's kind of a mixed bag for the team as well. So there were obviously some things that went really well the first half for example and then there were some things that did not go well being the second half and when you come or you feel like you've come close to a victory over a team like Georgia and then to have it kind of fall out of your grasp I can see how that would be kind of devastating um but yeah I think that the vibes are similar in that South Carolina fans are frustrated overall with um I would say the the run game and the front five, really, and those are points that Shane Beamer has talked about over the last several weeks as well as being points that they want to emphasize and and improve on, and you know, youth and injuries and all those kinds of things add up and make those things hard. But Spencer Rattler and particularly his connection with Xavier Leggett and the way that some of these young guys who've been getting in early have played, I think that gives a lot of hope to South Carolina fans and to the team that they can really turn things around after a one and two start like they have, you know, the last little bit under Shane Beamer as well.
1: Peyton, when I I took a look at the uh, South Carolina stats, I was really surprised to see how one dimensional this football team has been. They have just not been able to run the football. They don't really have a a bell cow back that they can just hand the ball off to 15, 20 times a a game. You know, for for, uh, this matchup with Mississippi State, do you think they can find a way to be a little bit more two dimensional or is it just all going to be on Spencer Rattler's shoulders?
8: Um, I think, yeah, that's really the question of the week, I feel like, um, because, you know, you have to play to your strengths, obviously, and Spencer Rattler has been a strength of this team, but the problem with that comes with predictability. So if Spencer Rattler is your strength and the run game is your weakness, then as an opposing defense, you would view that as like, okay, well, I'm just going to prepare for Spencer Rattler to try and sling it down the field, and, you know, that. Being the one thing that you expect to see consistently, I imagine it would become pretty easy to kind of overcome, um, and that's what's happened for the South Carolina team, particularly in the second half of their two FBS games. In that, you know, they get into these late situations where the score has become lopsided after a quick start, um, and so they're behind and they're forced to throw. And that, you know, teams are obviously going to pick up on those things, which makes it hard to contribute in that way. But Some of the stuff that the coaches have talked about as needing to improve to help the run game improve are figuring out the best front five to put out on the field. Um, You know, this team has been fighting injuries and youth and inexperience in that position group in particular and so that makes it hard to establish the run game and then obviously the lack of experience in the group itself with all the turnover you have to carry on Joyner who's really a a leader of that group but this is his first year playing as a true running back Um, and so trying to figure out the balance I think there has been um, a challenge and then you know obviously breaking tackles and penalties are important things as well if you want to establish the run I know that those were struggles that South Carolina had against Georgia a lot of pre-snap penalties that, you know, it's hard to get things done on first and fifteen and things like that. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see. But I, I know that Shane Beamer said something along the lines this week of, you know, we obviously want to establish the run, but if we have to throw the ball fifty times and run it ten to win, you know, that's that's what we're going
2: to do. So, Peyton, how, how did we get here with Spencer Rattler? Because he was he he has gone from very average, well if we take it back even farther, he's gone from elite coming out of high school with massive expectations to the inglorious ending at Oklahoma to very average at South Carolina to statistically the best quarterback in the SEC through the first three weeks. And if you want to take it back to the end of last season where he just kind of went off against Tennessee and Clemson, what caused the light bulb to go off, What, what caused the change to get Spencer Rattler back to the point of kind of what we thought he was going to be coming out of
4: high school?
8: Yeah, I think for him, in speaking with him and then also speaking with the coaches, it seems like it really was just kind of a matter of him needing to be here for a season and become familiar with the program itself, but also the SEC and the competition that you see here. And so. You know, having that experience, being able to bond with his teammates better, you know, this is a guy who, despite all the narratives, I guess, in the national media over his the course of his career, is someone that players and coaches have a lot of respect for. And so I think that helped with the rapport he's been able to establish with different receivers, whether that being Juice Wells, that we saw last season. Haven't gotten to see a lot of this season because of Wells' injury battles and everything, but with Xavier Leggett this season, for sure. Um, And so I think what the light bulb was for him was just, you know, I I feel more confident now, having been here for a year, knowing the system, being able to, you know, establish a relationship and an understanding with the new offensive coordinator and Dow Loggins and, and really liking and having a collaborative kind of relationship with him as far as what they do and trying to put Spencer in positions to be able to succeed. And so I think it really just for him was being able to find a place that he can kind of like inhale, exhale, settle, and, and really, you know, do what he and his teammates, I believe, he's been able to do the whole time.
1: Well, we got a couple minutes left, Peyton. We, we haven't talked much about the South Carolina defense. And honestly, you know, covering Mississippi State, I don't really know where to tell you to say, okay, the state's good at this, so how does South Carolina react to it? What you've seen from Mississippi State offensively has not been good thus far. What have we seen from South Carolina defensively?
8: Yeah, I think that you know that's another group that struggled with some injuries, particularly in the secondary, with Nick Emanwari coming out in in like a really eerily similar way to the how his career started last season, with a starting safety being injured on like the first play of the season and having to just kind of like assume that role as a young guy so him and Jalen Kilgore and DQ Smith they're all kind of back together again now and I know that's a group that they want to see succeed here in the future and and get more accustomed to each other and everything but uh, also there's you know some depth issues at linebacker as well so um, Debo Williams and Stone Blanton have played like almost every snap in these FCS games which is not sustainable and so trying to figure out how to how to rotate some of these young guys in um and you know setting them up for success though. so not throwing them in and, and watching them flounder but making sure that they're kind of ready for the moment but you know stopping the run and, and establishing the run has been two big issues for the South Carolina team so I think it's interesting in looking at the matchup in that Mississippi State's issues and South Carolina's issues have kind of like offset each other <laughs> it seems on both sides of the ball and so I'm interested to see, as I'm sure we're all interested to see, how the two teams kind of stack up and, and what things look like at the end of um, the game on Saturday.
2: William Bryce Stadium on uh, on Saturday night, Mississippi State in South Carolina. Peyton, thanks so much for your time. Great uh, visiting with you and hope we can catch up down the line.
8: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
2: Peyton Titus with the state, covers South Carolina, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com. And go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Um, you just
1: know everybody. You've been waving people this whole time. Well,
2: I just I'm, I'm a generally nice person. When somebody waves at me, <laughs> okay. I, yes, I try so. to let's let's calm down on that. I try man. to wave back. All right. So, and then we'll see how long we go before somebody waves again. Yeah. Maybe it's just you got a lot of people that listen to the show. That's and, true too. I hope, I hope that's the case. Kind of give it. See, there was a wave. He gave, gave it to us. Looked over. There we go. All Very right. good. Um, Does that mean a big night for Woody Marks?
1: That would be very conducive to a Mississippi State win. Sports
2: Talk Mississippi will continue with you streaming at supertalk.fm and on Super Talk TV on the road today in New Albany, Mississippi. Sports
0: Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Plenty still to get to this afternoon with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. We just got a wave.
1: You missed them. How? How? How?
0: The midnight rocking to the dawn.
1: Yeah. Terry, feel, feel free. Yeah. I, I, prefer, I prefer the uh, disturbed cover of that, to be honest with you. Hello, darkness, smile No, that's friend. a different disturbed cover.
2: <laughs> um... Lot still coming up, as I uh, mentioned a second ago. We'll get into some racket sport conversation coming up in uh, in
1: just a bit. Jeff and Grenada, hey dad, please buy Richard a steak dinner. RC also covered Gallo this morning. He deserves a steak and a cold beverage of his choice on your dime. I mean, you know, I I, I don't have an issue. Amen and amen. Yeah, I don't have an issue eating steak. I'll eat a steak with him. Yes. Oh, but he um, said you have to buy it. Oh, I'll buy it. Oh, I will purchase it. And then that receipt will make its way to the Super Talk offices. <laughs> oh jeez, you think you're getting reimbursed for buying me a random Wednesday night dinner? We're on location. We have to eat. We had a steak.
2: Are you gonna ask them to reimburse you for that brownie you just got? No, nah, no, the brownies on brownie's on me. Okay. Good to good to know. Um Eli Whiteside coming up in the uh, 5 o'clock hour, looking forward to the conversation. Thanks to those of you who have stopped by today. Yeah. Uh, You're just kind of cruising through, whether it's waving or uh, yelling obscenities out the window in the direction of Brian Haydad. That did happen. uh, uh, My friend Clint that just stopped by a second ago said he works in Tupelo, lives here in New Albany, and listens every afternoon. So uh, really appreciate uh, Clint and all the folks uh, just like you that are out and about on, uh, on this Wednesday. For with with the stuff that we've got going on, we're just kind of weaving in and out of this of this prove it thing. I think it's a fascinating conversation, and and to your point, that's the theme of the weekend. And yeah. so it's worth talking about a lot of teams.
3: Yeah, because yeah. I mean we've got Clemson and Florida State, and I, I mean I think that's the demise of Clemson is is imminent. But is it? Show me. And Florida State beat LSU,
2: and that was great. But buddy, they looked like crap last week. Are they actually a national so,
3: championship contender?
2: Prove it to me. You so, cannot underestimate the power of the Wells Crowder Red Bandana Game. Sure. When it well, comes to Boston so College. So what?
1: Oh well, yeah. What are we talking about on Monday? If you know, I'm sorry, I have to say this out loud. You're gonna to have to hear me say. But, but what happens if Alabama blows Ole Miss out, and Clemson blows out Florida State? What are we? What are we saying? Are we like, okay, we're back to square one with those teams. We'll be confused. Yeah, perhaps
2: like what? What would what Vince Lombardi say? What the heck's going on out there? <laughs> Edited for G rated radio. You did. You could have uh, said that. Yeah, I know I could have. Um, could have gotten, gotten away with that one. But yeah, and then what if the inverse is true?
1: Yeah, what if they get blown
2: out? Well, I mean, even if it's not a blowout, let's say Ole Miss wins that game by ten. Yeah, on Saturday, let's say Ole Miss goes into Tuscaloosa and they beat Alabama 31-21 but it's not one where the 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 31st or the the last seven points or the last field goal comes with 2 minutes left and it looks different That it like Old Miss kind of controls the game and wins it by 10. Yeah. What, what if Florida you're talking State rolls to Death Valley?
3: That that's what you're talking about in Alabama is is the the, the noise there. Uh, man, because if they if they lose to Old Miss, you're, are they going to beat LSU? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, there's a chance that they lose multiple games after Saturday should they lose to Ole Miss, right? And so they go last year where they look vulnerable, and, yeah, they won games But Bryce Young is gone, and then a year later you have this quarterback issue and the team looks uninspired. You lose to former assistants. The noise there is going to be he's done. We have to find a way out. And, Borky,
2: you um, you had the quote this week. Right? Who was it that, that had the story? It was uh, one of Nick Saban's close friends speaking off the record saying that he thinks that, that it's done. He's worked at a, such a high level for so long. He's accomplished everything that can possibly be accomplished. He just bought a, what, $20 million or $30 million oceanfront house in Jupiter and he's ready to enjoy it or, or has earned the opportunity to go enjoy it.
3: Yeah. And especially, Is that made
2: up out of thin air?
3: I, I the, wouldn't the be surprised like it. if it's not. I mean, especially, look, for all the complaining about this era, Nick Saban is an older man. I mean, he, he is getting up there in age, and he's already made his he? money. Wait, wait,
2: wait, hold on. Hold on. How old is he? Is he
3: 73?
1: Nick Saban is 71. He's 71. He has oh gosh,
2: accomplished... Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on second. Hold on second, Hold on a second. He is in prime age to run for the office of president of these United yeah. States of America.
1: Let me tell you something right now. If Saban was on the ballot, I'd vote, and I'd vote for him. As for two to- reasons.
2: You, you, you know, the, the first part of your sentence is the most yes. refreshing thing I've heard in a long for time. For two
1: reasons. One, it would get him out of Alabama. <laughs> but two, and far more importantly, okay, there's three reasons now that I think about it. Two, I think he'd actually get things done. And three, it would irk Tuberville, and that would just be funny. <laughs> You'd have Auburn looking up to Alabama one more time, yes, one more time. Yes, that'd be so funny. But he is—he's getting. Uh, I mean,
3: he's seventy-one. He's accomplished more than any coach. I mean, what else could he have done at Alabama that he hasn't already done? Uh, I mean, it, and, and, and
2: financially, Borky, his salary is the tip of the iceberg.
3: Oh, absolutely. And like you said, he's got this retirement home now that he bought in Jupiter, Florida for seven over $17 million, and it's on the water, and Justin Thomas lives down the street. And now that college football has changed a lot, and you have to work even harder as a coach than you've ever had to work, and it's, it's tedious stuff. It's recruiting your own roster. It's dealing with tampering. It's dealing with money. It's managing egos. It's... Uh, th- at this point, and then you start losing, and you've got to deal with those people because you know how insane it's going to be over there if they go 9-3 and three this year. Let's pretend they go 9-3, and three. a good season for most places. They will lose their ab- ever-loving minds over there. And if you're Nick Saban and you've accomplished everything and you've got retirement ready, do you want to sit there and deal with that energy in your 70s? I mean, he's built different than most people, but that doesn't sound appealing to me.
2: But yeah. Retiring to my beach house when I've got my lake house as an option with $100 in the bank doesn't sound like the worst option. I don't know that I'm but wired I'm, exactly the way Sabin. Sabin, not you. Yeah, i got to go like four or five more years than oh, I okay. can do that. Okay. Um, I'm just not quite there yet. Gotcha. Uh, no, I... I don't know, but he's wired differently, right? He's he, maybe he's built for the grind, uh, in a way that uh, that others aren't. You're, uh, Borgia, you're dead on though. If Ole Miss wins that football game, I mean, look, it happened in 2015. Yeah. How many Alabama Alabama won a national championship in 2015? Yes. Driving home from Tuscaloosa to Oxford, the Saturday night after that win. The extended post-game radio shows were talking in detail about whether or not it was time for Nick Saban to do it. Correct. That was eight years ago. Yeah.
1: And he's won what? Three national championships. Three since? Then? Yeah. I mean, he, wa- he, won a- he won a national championship with Jake Coker as his quarterback. He played for at least two more. And if you he thought won
2: it was one a- with Tua.
1: Yeah.
2: And he won one with...
1: He lost one with Tua. And he won one with. Uh, he lost one with Hurts. He and lost one. He with won Price. one with Mac Jones. He lost one. Uh, with Price well, I
2: forgot Mac Jones.
1: Yeah, yeah, COVID year. Yeah, I always forget about Mac Jones. You shouldn't.
2: Yeah, no, Our he the title. You're, uh, you're right.
3: And you, I mean, you heard the noise that night. It would be ten times louder now because this. Oh no question. Because of what happened last year in, in this offseason and, and moving forward. Yeah, and then, and you know there's another factor involved in this as well, though. It's Kirby Smart. Wasn't well, Kiffin see, a factor in this, too? No, no I, I'm not talking about replacing Nick Saban. No, no, I mean, no. they are looking over at Georgia and seeing no. better.
1: better. Right, I, I get what you're saying. But also, Kiffin is a factor because people are going to look at him and go, we need to get him now before... Some other program gobbles him up. Some other, I mean, there are Alabama people are going to say Ole Miss is there's a tier between us and Ole Miss where Michigan is. I'm Not saying that Lane Kiffin's going to Michigan. I'm just saying they're going to say, especially if Kiffin beats him, they're going to be like, we need to get him. That's the guy. That's the guy who's going to replace him. I don't think Greg Burns hired Lane Kiffin. Well. I didn't think John Cohen would hire Hugh Freeze, but, you know, here we're sitting. John Cohen didn't hire Hugh Freeze. I, I agree with that, but uh, the same thing. I think Greg Byrne, his boosters will tell him, like, uh, no. uh, Hold on now. Hold on now. That's a little different dynamic. I, I do agree. I know I know, you. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. But at the same time, the people who have the money are the people who have the money. That's right. And the people who have the money kind of get what they want most times. Yeah.
2: But we've also got a lot of evidence of Greg Byrne making good hires when being left alone and not communicating with anybody. Yeah. And, and, and I think he's probably earned the right to do that there. Borky, the other team that you mentioned the second day when you said Florida State and Clemson, Florida State's prove it is pr- proof to me that you're the team that beat LSU, not the team that struggled with Boston College. Yeah. Um, because that team that beat LSU is a national title contender. The team that struggled with Boston College last week is not. They're just another, you know, kind of up and down pretty good ACC team. And, and so, yeah, there's there's a lot to prove there. Uh, C Spire text line, it will be a sitting head coach, not an assistant. Who would Bama go get?
3: Dan Lanning. Sarkeesian.
1: Good James Franklin.
4: Franklin.
1: <laughs> I just saw Richard's eye twitch involuntarily. Uh. He would certainly try. <laughs> I promise you he would. He tried for the job.
2: What yeah. what big job has he not tried for? That's straight to him. Sports Talk Mississippi. More coming up with you. Streaming at Supertalk.fm, coming to you live today from New Albany.
0: You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple Eight 808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Up the four o'clock hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. Good to be with you. If you were with us for the Gallows show this morning, you heard my conversation with Bo and Susie Bowman. We talked a lot of tennis, we talked a lot of pickleball, and uh, Bo's back with us this afternoon. Certainly a lot of turnover in the audience, so appreciate you swinging back by.
5: Thanks for having me.
2: You uh, you've hit up the the Tupelo econ- or the uh, excuse me the New Albany economy and, and contributed done some shopping on the uh, uh, on the strip here in, uh, in in downtown so good stuff and uh, maybe a big pickleball game tonight.
5: Yeah yeah uh, have a large group that's going to play tonight if this weather holds out so should be a pretty good group.
2: You want a project? What's that? I think Brian Haydad could be a pickleball player. Oh, my goodness. goodness. Is that a project you would like to uh, take on?
5: Definitely. I mean, I can do it. Right. I should have brought it. I should have I brought some stuff.
2: What's what's the process to, to get Haydad to being a functional pickleball player?
1: I mean. And then what's the process to becoming an elite one? Oh, if I
2: play, I want to win. That's fine. I mean, I'm just saying let, let's, let's crawl before we walk. All right. Walk before <laughs> we run.
5: And that's the thing is that, you know, you can get paddles really, really cheap. I mean, you can get a $10 paddle, it's wood. Or you can get well, almost like a tennis racket where it's $250, you know. Okay. and so uh, All right, so,
2: you, so what's the difference in a $10 pickleball paddle and
1: a $200 pickleball paddle?
5: The material. So it's just wood or you're going to have carbon fiber and all the expensive materials yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. You know? I feel like I need I need an equipment advantage.
1: So so you're going you're going to go carbon fiber, you're going to invest. I feel like <laughs> if I'm going to play I need I need to have as much advantage as I can. So so how much movement is there and that that's
2: not a shot at you at all. but like a serious question because <laughs> you you've got people that are in their 70s and 80s that play pickleball and play it at a pretty high level and, and so I wouldn't think there's the same level of movement on a smaller court than there is if you're playing tennis
5: yeah i didn't think so either i actually texted with a friend earlier and i was like man you know it's such a workout and you wouldn't even think that because really? of but it's just the short sprints really fast and, and it's real fast paced you know um in in tennis after a game uh and then three games you get a break this one is you know 11 or 20 points straight through so i mean it's yeah. And it's like volleyball, so you could go back and forth at two, two, three, three, four, four for thirty minutes. You know, going forever. Yeah. And so, uh, but a lot of uh, uh, the fast twitch muscles and uh, quick cardio. So it surprised me at first too. I was just like, man,
2: I, I've got to jump into the, the pickleball world. I've got some friends that play. I have not done that, and and so maybe that's the uh, the next thing for me but let's talk about the uh... the tennis complex here in new albany um, it it's a great facility and you've got upgrades that either are ongoing or have just happened
5: Yeah, uh, all the courses got resurfaced and so it's um... ten years ago we received the award it's a uh, national public Park of the year and it was a national award so we won the the local mississippi award and then it went nationally and uh... we actually got to go to uh... to new york and uh... accept the award at the usda national and um so this this march ten years and they've been completely resurfaced uh... they're like brand new and so we'll have a whole new tournament schedule and everything
2: talk to me about the the youth programs and and what the the tennis kind of kids growing up in it and what that looks like here
5: so um... i mean they can play as competitively as they want to be or you know, they don't have to play the tournaments every weekend. If more recreational. You know, that's right, more recreational. So I kind of tell all the parents that, you know, anyone can be a tennis player. It just depends on, you know, how long it's going to take them to, you know, get to that level. And so it might take one player 10 tournaments, and it might take another player 20 tournaments, you know. and yeah. um, But anywhere from 10 and under, 12 and under, 14 and under – and um, we actually been doing with the kids uh, the pickleball because it's it's a slower paced ball. It stays low to the ground, and tennis did develop a uh, a low compression ball, and, it, and it's right. a lot like that. So, uh, but now the kids like the sound of it, you know. So, uh, so you know, it was one of those things where some tennis players are against the pickleball stuff. So I was like, hey, I got to play it and try it and see how it all works out.
2: In terms of, of athleticism, if you look at elite tennis players, you're talking about guys that are, are chiseled, you know, whether you want to talk about Federer or Nadal or Djokovic or you want to go back, you know, two decades and, and talk about Andre Agassi and Jim Courier and, and Michael Chang. But if you look at tennis players, they kind of come in all shapes and sizes. I, I'm, I think that's a long way of saying, does athleticism in football or basketball or baseball translate automatically so, tennis and, and kind of vice versa?
5: Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the, the good thing with tennis is that, you know, anybody can play it. It just might take that player longer. And they play against people that are around the same level, same age, Yeah. you know, same size or, you know, they don't have to be that athletic. But it's just going to take them a little bit longer than someone that is athletic. You know, somebody that played college baseball, they go out there and they pick it up immediately, you know, and it's something that they can play when they're older instead of, you know, not playing baseball anymore. Yeah. So,
2: Yeah, I guess you can take tennis a lot longer than you can take baseball. I mean, I I don't imagine that Eli Whiteside is is still playing pickup games.
5: Yeah. Probably not. I said we're going to get – Coach Shroud out on the uh, pickleball court. So, him being so tall, you know, he's not playing basketball anymore. So uh, I like it. You know, Get him out there.
7: <laughs> I like it.
2: Great weekend coming up in New Albany, and uh, be sure to uh, check in the Visit New Albany website, and you can see some of the upcoming events that are happening, and, and that includes tennis events. Bo, thanks so much for coming back by.
5: Thanks for having me. Bob Bowman,
2: right, who runs the uh, tennis program in the tennis complex here. In New Albany, 5 o'clock hour coming up, college football fix, and then a conversation with Eli Whiteside. This is Sports Talk Mississippi on the road in New Albany.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoon, starting at 3 on Supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station.
2: hour with you. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. Glad to be with you alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky. I'm Richard Cross. We are coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is uh, the home of nonstop entertainment. You can uh, go to their website, pearlriverresort.com, see the live events that are coming up. You've got Gaming, you've got golf, you've got great restaurants, poker tournaments, and uh, hey Dad's favorite, the Lazy the Lazy River. They've uh, they've got that.
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I anything think. that has lazy Lazy River it is up your alley. I'll, I like to go to the uh, I go to the There's a restaurant in Vicksburg called Walnut Hills where they they do the round table on the Lazy Susan. Oh yeah, I yeah. like that. What was the
2: uh, What was the place where you could uh, float where we were talking about, and we were leaving Hattiesburg?
1: The, uh, oh, I forget. I forget. Yeah, the the TP place. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I just can't remember the uh, name of it. Yeah. Um, that's where. Uh Man, never mind.
2: Yeah. You want to be part of the conversation? You can join us on the Seaspire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with Gigabit fiber internet. It's really fast, and it can power a lot of stuff, and it can help you uh, you be better in uh, in business. Check them out. Again, cspire.com slash business. It is time right now for the college football fix.
1: a good rebel just waved And in his powder blue polo. There you go. They're everywhere. Yeah. Most area of the country, especially. College football fix. There's another one
2: driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. He's in a Ford. You want to go to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best selling trucks are built. Ford. top. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. So, a reporter from the was it the Orange County Register, Mm -hmm. which is part of like the Los Angeles County news group. I'm making that up. It was the something something news group. Okotoma
1: is the place we were talking about.
2: Yeah, that's right. Right. Rafting the Okanogan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or maybe it was the Orange County News Group. Whatever, doesn't matter. A a publication that covers Southern Cal. A reporter has been suspended from his access to cover Southern Cal for two weeks because he wrote a story that was concerning to Lincoln Riley. Not a not a story that was negative about USC football, not a story that was uh, demeaning to any players or the coaching staff, but it's a story where he got the information outside of a school-sanctioned press conference. In fact, it was a couple of players that were talking outside the press conference setting, but I think maybe just before the press conference began. And Lincoln Riley said, oh, no, 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 that is not how we operate here. You have been told explicitly... You can only cover us based on information that you get in official press conference settings. There shan't be any diversion from that policy. And they suspended it for two weeks. Um, the news organization for which he works made an appeal to the university, to the, uh, the new athletics director, Jen Cohen, mm-hmm. to... Uh, I guess they put old Lincoln Riley on there, and the university president as well, asking that the suspension be lifted immediately, that this was the equivalent of a two-game suspension for an offsides penalty, that it uh, it made no sense, and it, it was altogether unreasonable. Yeah. And the university responded in a letter that said, paraphrasing, um, We value the relationships of media partners, not just with athletics, but with the university as a whole. However, the media policies for covering the Southern Cal football team were abundantly clear. They were broken. This is someone who had been brought into question before about a story that they had written. And so we will stand with the football team, football program, and their agreement to suspend said writer for two weeks. Southern Cal does have back-to-back road games coming up. So theoretically the rider could be credentialed by the road team. It's true. Although
1: that's that's not kind of, really you know that it works through the other team.
2: Though. It it does. Yeah. I mean the, the Southern Cal could could kind of put a stop to that. Right. The, the media credentialing list is kind of goes yeah. through the visiting Oregon team. Oregon will
1: call Southern Cal and be like, "All right, this is who's re- requested credentials and do you approve?" Right. Yeah.
2: So there are layers to this story. Let's first let, let, let's start off Borky at the surface level. And the surface level is a writer was suspended for breaking the rules that the team had set. And if you're going to cover the team, you have to agree to follow. we, we I think we can agree that that is true. Yeah, We can say that the rules are stupid. We can say that the punishment is over the top. But the fact of the matter is the football program put rules in place for the people who cover the team, and those rules were broken. And along those lines, Southern Cal is kind of within its rights to issue some sort of punishment for the breaking of its rules. Just at a very base, surface level, I think that part of it's true. I I don't think we should allow...
3: Uh, like, societally, we shouldn't accept that fact, though. I mean, we, we do it in politics, right? Political media gets their talking points from the president, and they just parrot what he says, and they don't even question him. They don't even challenge him because that's what he said. And in, in media, including sports, and in all facets, politics, sports, are supposed to be the people that question everything and challenge everything and report without the approval of the subject that they are covering. I, I mean, it, it is it is ridiculous that people think that it's okay that the person getting covered sets the rules on what the coverage of them is. That is not how media works, not, not how it's supposed to work. Yeah. That's how it works today. That's not how it should be, though. Southern Cal should not be banning somebody from covering them because they just did their job. They didn't break any laws. They asked for, okay, you said the article was inaccurate, tell us what's inaccurate, we'll issue a correction. They got nothing because there there is nothing to correct. You can't, in good faith, expect a reporter to hear something and not report it. That is how journalism and media yeah. is supposed to work. And it doesn't. I get it. But Lincoln Riley's a baby. The the fact that people defend this from USC, I think, is a joke. It, it's That is a, a journalist's job. If, if you think that coverage should only be approved by the school, you don't want media coverage. You want propaganda.
2: 100%. And that's absolutely what they want. In fact, USC would be okay with no daily media coverage. Mm-hmm. Right, if we're just being honest, and, and I think most schools would. Yeah. Now, they need the national coverage. They need ESPN to do its thing. They need Fox and CBS and NBC. They need all of those entities to do their thing. They need national radio shows. But most don't really need or care that much about local. They do it because they're supposed to. It's very true. And, and you know, there might be some that push back on that, and there are probably some exceptions to it as well. Very rare. But if you are a big program in a big conference that has a reasonably-sized local media, they don't really care about you that much. Yeah. Um, the truth of the matter is USC says they have these rules in place to protect their student-athletes. Well, that's the biggest bunch of BS hogwash I've ever heard. Because you're not protecting your athletes, you're actually doing a disservice to your athletes. The majority of the players on the Southern Cal football team have aspirations of playing in the NFL, and a lot of guys will. There's no policy like this in the NFL. Players are expected to be able to communicate. They are supposed to be able to talk. They're supposed to be able to represent their team and their franchise and themselves and their foundations and their families and all of those things. What better training ground than major college athletics? It's perfect. And yet we have these paranoid control freak coaches who want to micromanage every single breath that comes out of and about their program. What are you scared of? What, what are you so scared that your linebacker is going to say? And so what if he does say something dumb? You go, well, this is a learning process for all of us. That obviously was not what we wanted out there. We've made him apologize. We've apologized on his behalf. And you move on, and nobody cares, because the news cycle is like 17 seconds. So it's it's stupid. All it, all it is is controlling and and manipulative. And Lincoln Riley may be the worst offender of it in all of college football. But I want to I want to go back to what Borky said a second ago because I think it's really important. We'll be
0: back right after this sports talk, Mississippi, of the Pearl River Resource.
2: Good message from a buddy of mine. c Spire text line is open to you. 601-879-4395 on the Lincoln Riley um, reporter gate thing. said, what's wrong? Is he worried that the uh, players are going to criticize his brisket? (laughs) Well
1: done. Whoever that friend was, that was funny. Well done.
2: We get reminded Um, on the text line, by the way, that
3: this is the same guy that uh, banned all media from covering practice after student reporters accurately reported who was going to be their starting quarterback because they found, uh, what was it, a parking garage? They found access to, to view the practice field, didn't break in anywhere, didn't break a single rule. They just found a, a way to see the practice.
2: This and was in Oklahoma, right? It was in yeah.
3: Oklahoma, and they reported, I believe it was still Who was it? I don't remember who, which quarterback they reported, but they reported yeah. accurately that this is the starter, and he banned all media from practice and, and everything like that. He is a, a very insecure. And also, a couple weeks ago, an interview came out that he did back in the summer where he lied about people trying to break into his home at Oklahoma in Norman after he took the USC job. That didn't yeah. happen, according to
1: He's the police there. It. Yeah. So, Damn wh- all of the USC. <laughs> Yeah, well, Borky, the reason I
2: said I, I thought we needed to come back to this was I, I think you hit on something really important where you said, okay, it's not the media's job to ask you how you want to be covered, right? That you, uh, Independent media should not be vetting its stories through its subject. Um, the idea of independent media is, is kind of laughable at this point. The idea of unbiased media is even more laughable than the idea of independent media. Here's why it matters though. I, I I don't even know what the content of the story in question was. Doesn't matter. But it was not a bad thing. What if there is a bad thing going on within the Southern Cal football program and a media member is tipped off? What if what if there is physical abuse that that's happening? or some other type of abuse? Um, What if there is a cover-up of... Decide whatever you think is bad. Pretend it's happening in the USC program. Pretend a reporter has been tipped off on it and is doing a deep-dive, important, investigative journalism piece. Well, what are you going to do? Sit at the weekly press conference and say, Hey, uh, Lincoln, I'm working on this story, and I'm wondering if you have... No comment. Well, what do you expect them to do? Just drop the story? Well, that's what Southern Cal wants you to do, in this case. But that's not how good media operates. They dig for the story. If it means that they have to talk to players, they talk to players. If it's outside the boundary of what the university allows in its official media policy, so be it. I'm not breaking the law, I'm breaking your policy. You're going to have to live. And, and when you have a dogged reporter who will not let anything get in the way of getting the story and getting the story right, who's not worried about how a fan base feels about the way the story is reported, whether it paints the university in a good light or a bad light, that that's real journalism. And, and that's why this matters. Yeah. It doesn't matter based on this story in particular. It matters on an important story,
3: and and that's how things like it, th- these are probably bad examples because th- there there are there are chances that that media worked hard up there and had no idea. But the, stuff like that is how Larry Nassar can continue working for for years, and how Jerry Sandusky can work for decades. If you don't have anybody at all. Applying scrutiny, that's how bad people can continue to do bad things for a long period of time. Just like in politics. The the political example, if if you have, have media that just takes marching orders from politicians, when they do bad things, they never get questioned and they never get exposed for it if you don't have anybody trying to do so. So the, the people today that are defending USC, I, I think that that is just an anti-American principle. You do not in this country, or you should not in this country, be able to tell media how you cover me. And you are not allowed to say anything unless I tell you you're allowed to. That, that cannot be something we accept, and we do it in politics, and we do it in sports, and we do it everywhere. That we just accept marching orders from people and think the media should just shut up and do what they say and that is not how they're supposed to operate
2: well and look i mean the way that the way that a rule like this gets changed is not by a single outlet saying i mean if the orange county register said okay fine you're going to kick us out we're not going to cover you anymore usc would be like okay it would take like that entire beat like everybody radio tv newspaper online that covers usc saying no until that suspension is reinstated we will not cover your program and the problem
1: with that is we're all in competition with one another it, it, in so, competition and, so if the Clarion yeah. Ledger were to get you know pushed out i like stefan he's my friend but maybe that's something that gives me more access so perhaps you know that that's that's a tough way to do it yeah, yeah. and then what are you yeah. going to you're going to get we work together but we don't work with each other if that right. makes sense yeah no it's It's the same thing. Um,
2: Somebody said uh, White House Press Secretary gives Lincoln Riley two thumbs up. Gavin Newsom says welcome to California. That's from Vance right here in New Albany.
3: And and that that applies to to both sides. If you want to get political, both sides of political media does the same thing. They do the exact same thing it's just when they're covering different people but yes don't you every day or you should regardless of how you feel whether whether trump's the president or biden or whoever's next you you should want every single person in that media room every day questioning everything that is said at the podium everything that's how it's supposed to be and you know we got a text and it's a a thoughtful text about uh you know he said what michael said made me think Does. Does that mean you shouldn't punish a thief just because he steals something? Journalists don't break the law when they report things. They are engaging in a fundamental right that is the basis of the founding of this country. And I know that's deeper than college football, but still. I I think seeing some of the reaction to this is, oh, well, he broke a program rule. I could not possibly care less. What if... uh, the, the press secretary got up on stage and said, actually, no more questions from Fox News. You are not allowed to ask me a question anymore, and that is my rule that I set. What would you say? Well, they're just making the rules. you got to follow the rules. No, you would say that
2: is wrong, and that should not be allowed. Yeah. And, I mean, covering the President of the United States and covering Southern Cal football are not the exact same thing. No. I think we can agree to that. But, but the principle football, far more applies. Important. <laughs> it? far more important says football is far more important uh, we are glad to uh, be with you this afternoon well, let's uh let's weave one more of these prove its in there um how about Notre Dame Notre Dame Notre Dame what's Notre Dame trying to prove this weekend were you really just a quarterback away? Because
3: that's what, that's what I've seen written about Notre Dame is it, they, they've got a roster that's championship ready. They just needed the quarterback. Because oh, they haven't had one for, I mean,
2: who's that's their best so quarterback disingenuous. in a decade? That's so disingenuous, though. Notre Dame hasn't lost in the playoffs and in the national championship game because they were a quarterback away. I, I agree. Notre Dame played Alabama for a national title. I agree completely. They but that's what people have said about the them. The they they were they were worse at every single position on the field all of them every position their team speed was less their strength was less their size was less their technical ability was less okay and, and I'm kind of a Notre Dame apologist, also. Right? I mean, I, I think that's a good program. I think Brian Kelly did a good job. I think Marcus Freeman's doing a good job. I really like Sam Hartman as the quarterback. Notre Dame is a really, really good football program, and I think they deserve deserved to be in the playoffs. I don't think the result of a game in the playoff should determine whether or not you deserved to be there in the first place or not. So, prove that you are I don't know that I'd say prove that that's all that you were missing but but prove that you're deserving of the attention that you get as a team that has playoff potential and look Notre Dame's going to get tested right? They got this game against Ohio State they got a game against Southern Cal does Notre Dame play Clemson this year? They do don't they? believe so. They play Clemson, and I think they play Duke also. Look, Notre Dame, if if Notre Dame gets in the playoff, it's deserved. Because it means they will have navigated this schedule all the way through. And I think it takes an undefeated Notre Dame to get in, don't you? Yes, 100%. Do you agree with that, Borky? Notre Dame got to be undefeated to get in? It
1: feels like that will be the case, Yes. Given that they don't have the conference championship game they, as the boost. If they lose close Saturday and then don't lose again, they might. Yeah, it
3: depends on what else happens. I mean, who wins right. the Pac-12 yeah. and what's the right, record. so
2: Ohio State bangs a 47-yard field goal at the buzzer and Notre Dame ends up beating USC by three touchdowns and beats Clemson and beats Duke. Uh, okay, okay, I'll hear that argument. whole lot easier for them if they don't lose, though. Sports Talk Mississippi, we're back with you right after this.
0: This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station.
3: If you're watching on Supertalk TV, uh, you're seeing a a look in behind the scenes. And if you're not watching on Supertalk TV, you should. Check us out. We've got a brand new app, by the way. The app updated. If you've got it, it should have auto-updated for you. I didn't even do it myself. It just happened. The new app looks incredible. The Supertalk app. If you don't have it, you should. Uh, Go to the App Store. And it's actually really small. It won't take up a a whole lot of space uh, in your phone, which is important to a lot of people. Especially if you're like me and you have... I don't know, a couple thousand pictures of an almost four-year-old, then um, you need the space, and it doesn't take up a lot of space. So download the app. You can watch as it started raining outside, and the crew is trying to figure out – well, I say the crew. Houston is trying to figure out how to get all the equipment outside inside to get us reconnected and back live, and Richard and Haydad are just kind of standing there holding stuff in their hands to, to just give to Houston – uh, when the time is right. You can see how useless they are uh, watching this feed right now as Houston does everything and uh and they get the situated. I hear them now, so uh, I think we we're probably uh pretty good to go if uh, Richard would actually show up and sit down. We could continue the show as uh, as we were, but that's okay. Uh, we'll just uh, we'll go from here. 601 4395 is the text line. Josh said Lincoln Riley would be Alabama's next coach after Saban leaves. I actually don't think that he would. I don't think that he would take it. He's got that's, – that's the thing about this Alabama job, right? It's great. It's one of the best. And whenever Saban hangs it up, if it's after this year or five years from now, whenever, a lot of people are going to want it. I said James Franklin. For example, but there are going to be people that are in situations like the one that Lincoln Riley's got, and not want to go. But looks like we've got them both now. We are we are back live and uh, and technically in color. There we are.
1: Hear <laughs> yeah, Where am I? Can't hear you, Richard. Can you hear. Hey, Dad. He uh, can hear me. Great. Get out of here. I'll take it. So we survived the the elements, Borky.
3: Yeah, I see that the a check, little wet. Check. That's okay. There you there
1: you go. There's Richard. Well, look Is that I an ice swift. cream shop
3: that you guys are inside? We're now? in a fr-
1: This is this is what this is what I'm talking about right here. Enabling. They they're like, "Oh yeah. You know, we're going to move you down here. This is where you're going to do thunder and lightning tonight in a frozen yogurt shop."
2: It is called Brain Freeze, and if you are in the New Albany area, as our thanks to them, we'd love for you to stop by and, yeah. uh, and grab, come, grab, come grab some frozen I yogurt. had a
1: fat-free, sugar-free vanilla milkshake earlier today, and it was outstanding. Yeah? Yeah.
2: Very good. So what did you do while we were gone, Morky? Because it is raining. Now it's yeah. raining. This, this was a good decision. Yeah. I, I need you to send
3: that rain down here, though. I, I really need that to happen. I cut the grass because, like, some of it was kind of growing a little bit, so I decided to do the whole thing, make it look uniform. And all I was doing was just kicking up dust. Not good.
1: You ever done a show in a frozen yogurt uh, place? First time. Okay, first time for everything. I think
2: so. Big frozen yogurt yeah.
1: band, though. Oh yeah, yeah. I, uh, I kind They got some good. They got some good. They got some good uh, flavors up there. Yeah, I was just
2: looking to see what uh, chocolate
1: dip strawberry flavor frozen yogurt. Probably good. Probably good. Yeah. I, I, if I if I were on a uh, if I were on a diet, I think the chocolate chip cookie cake is where I would be headed.
2: Yeah, cake batter sounds pretty good.
1: Does Although sound good. Sea salt caramel pretzel though.
2: Yeah that that would be Jane's is that choice. It? That's yeah. a good choice though. Yeah, she likes the the sea salt caramel and then like sprinkle some Heath Barnes pecans on it.
1: That's a woman of taste right yeah. there. Yeah, but but
2: you. a very small portion. She's like oh, oh yeah, I just yeah, want yeah, it yeah. yeah, She doesn't yeah. want a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, my go to is kind of like either. Traditional vanilla or cookies and cream, Boy, and then do the. Um, oh goodness, we made it. I mean, you want to talk about commitment? Yes. To, uh, to coming and joining us, we got a great. Yeah, that'll be.
1: You know, I, I, he's not gonna be on camera, so let me. I'll just get out. Okay. All right. cool. We'll just uh, we'll transit. We'll just do we'll just the headset start. swap. This is, this is great, by the way. The
3: transition. Into the ice cream shop, and then the. I mean, like this the, is so smooth. The, the, tag right, tag the greatest team, yeah. radio
2: ever. Uh, so we probably should start by saying thank you to Eli Whiteside for being willing to uh, come through the rain and stick with this. Man, yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry, I showed up a little bit late.
7: No, no, it's it's uh, it's all good. How are you? Right on time. I'm good. A little yeah. wet
2: right now, but I'm good. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's hard to get mad at the rain. though. I know my yard can use uh, a little bit of it, so that's right. I can't be can't be too upset about that. Um. So, Hey Dad's right. He is he is the Giants fan among the group. Uh, what an incredible career for uh, for you! I feel like everybody that plays baseball growing up, like every little kid, that's the dream, right? That's like, oh, I want to be a big leaguer one day. And the reality of that happening is is pretty
7: small, slim, slim, and none. Yeah, and uh, just I guess I guess slim and slim, slim and slim. <laughs> Not many make it, but but you did,
2: and. What a, what a dream come true. Can, I mean, can you put yourself back to the beginning when
7: you first got called up? Uh, yeah, 2005 with the uh, Baltimore Royals. Um, I can remember like it was yesterday. I was in Buffalo, New York, walking. I just got up. Ball players life, you know. Um, yeah. Wake up about 10 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. um, walking to get a bite to eat. Got a call from uh, Dave Tremblay, my manager in AAA right there uh in Buffalo. Um, he's like uh you need to go back go to the ballpark, pack your stuff, go in the big leagues. I was like, <laughs> all right. Um so I went to the got back to the ballpark, packed my packed my locker up, um, jumped on a flight and we were in Seattle that Oh wow. Day. We were in Seattle. So the long flight. Um or no. That that's the second time I got called up. I got the first time I got called up, we were in Baltimore. Then we went to Yankee Stadium. The, that night, um, got on a train, went to Yankee Stadium, or went to New York. Uh, next day, um, we were in we were in New York. Um, didn't play, didn't did not play. Um, that was July 3rd. So 55,000 people in. Yankee oh, good. Stadium, so know? so yeah, so Fourth of I'm, July weekend. Yeah, ballparks like, are packed all uh, over the country. It's crazy, crazy. And uh and I'm from small town New Albany, Mississippi, you know. Uh, yeah. never been to New York, never been to Yankee Stadium, obviously. Oh wow, and that was and, the old stadium. Uh, that was the old stadium, yeah, back in the old days. Which was special. <laughs> it was. Oh. It was a lot of a lot of good ball players played there. Um <laughs> anyway uh, Yes. <laughs> anyway, um it was the let's see, I guess it was the next day. Um made my debut. First day B Randy Johnson. Wow. Um, How'd that go? Uh, double play. Broken bat, double play. A rod. A rod's playing third. A rod to second. Second to first. Double play. Didn't strike out. First ball I saw, I should have swung at. Um, so you, fast- got, you got a first pitch fastball? Oh, fastball, right. Oh, no, it was a first pitch slider. Oh. Got a little respect right there from, from, from the big unit. Wow. First pitch slider, uh, just a little spinner, but I should have swung. May have fared a little bit better for myself. But anyway, um, didn't strike out. Double play ball. Um, Anyway, then I come back out. We're getting beat, Mm, nine to nothing. Uh, Then then comes A. Rod Jeter, and then Hideki Matsui. And And that's that's exactly what I thought. I'm like I'm standing here in Yankee Stadium. These three dudes I've been watching play, you know, on TV for a long time and I'm I'm from New Albany, Mississippi. You know, what am I what am I doing? Yeah. What am I doing here? So um so, so Baltimore 2005 and then
2: your your longest hit with one team was in, in San Francisco. Yeah. And to me that that's the part of your career that stands out because right. there, there's a World Series there. Mm-hmm. You played a lot. Uh you played alongside one of is Buster Posey one of the most underappreciated I'd, catch? I mean, I guess I people so. in the game probably respect it, but right, I'm not right. sure when you think about all-time great catchers, his name isn't immediately. Come, right. He's a Hall
7: of Famer, though, isn't right, he? Exactly. Yeah. Um, Rookie of the year, um, Silver Slugger awards, MVP awards, three um, World Series rings. You know, um, it's a pretty complete resume. I, I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> I would say so. Um, what was it like playing in San Francisco? Because that's a great ballpark. It's a it's an awesome ballpark. Great fans. You know, I was there to. At a great time, yeah. um, 2009 through 12, um, a couple World Series championships. Um, I don't know. It was a great, great city. Um, the fans were were behind us. You know, they were they were looking or they were starving for a a winner. You sure. know, um, and uh, just great baseball fans. Uh, yeah.
2: So, old Miss played a football game at Cal and. Borky, what year was that? Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. So we went out. the The flight was out on a Thursday, and we had a big group that came to the to the ballpark on Friday. And Fish Robinson, I don't know if you know Fish or not. Uh, not the a, name I don't know. He's a a pastor with a church in Oxford. Um, somebody that he knew got us connected. Maybe he's through an umpire or something like that. Got us connected, and we got to be kind of on the field while you guys were doing pregame, and you know met briefly at the at the time. But I was just kind of in all of that ballpark and you know to to your point
7: good fan base it's one of those places where it's like i get to go to work here every day exactly right it's a unbelievable ballpark and a great i mean great location right there on the bay yeah san francisco's Um, a little different than new albany though just a hair different just 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 a (laughs) a touch just
2: a little bit We'll we'll pick this conversation up and uh, we'll go back to where it all began here in New Albany with Eli Whiteside when we come back to wrap up Sports Talk Mississippi on the road today in New Albany. Tallahatchie River Festival coming up this weekend. We're back right after this on Sports Talk Mississippi.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi. What is going? here your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State it's about time right here on Super Talk Mississippi
2: back with you one last time Sports Talk Mississippi don't forget thunder and lightning coming up on the radio when we get done that is from six to seven and that will wrap up Super Talks Day here in New Albany getting ready for the Tallahatchie River Fest big weekend coming up fundraiser at the uh, the Faulkner Gardens part portion of the museum uh, tomorrow night. Got a bunch of stuff going on Friday night, and then Saturday, full day of activities with food and art vendors and music and the whole deal. Looks like the weather's going to be great this weekend for that as well. Uh, Eli Whiteside, uh, who we told you yesterday was going to come by and join us, uh, spending a few more minutes with us as we, we wrap things up. There's so many different directions I'd love to go, but... My buddy Sam said there are a couple stories that uh, you need to tell. Let, let's
7: start with you caught a no hitter. Caught a no hitter. Um, was not was not supposed to be in the lineup that night. Okay. Um, I was backing up Benji Molina at the time. His wife was. They were having their I think second child. Um, he was at the hospital. I was thrown in the lineup. We're playing the San Diego Padres. Jonathan Sanchez, left handed pitcher, um, was his first start. From being demoted to the bullpen, so he was demoted to the bullpen, struggling. Came back as a starter, first start back. We're cruising. Um, at, what, at what point in the game do you realize you got a no-no all goal? All right. About the seventh inning, uh, error. Had a perfect game, perfect game through seven. Okay. Or six, seventh inning. Ground ball to third base. Juan Uribe, tough hop, hit the lip, tough hop, error. Right. Okay. Y'all on first base, Bruce Bochy, manager, He's um, he has the running game. You know, he controls the running game, throw over, pitch out, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm squatted down behind the plate, look over to Boats and I'm like, this is the first time I've looked over at the dugout all game. You know, first base run we had. I look up the the scoreboard in San Francisco right in center field. Yeah. You know, I look up there, and it's got a zero in the hit column. I'm like, oh, we got a no-hitter going. Oh my god. <laughs> all right, so, you know, got a little tight after that. Um <laughs> Anyway, um... I mean, people think about the pressure that's on the pitcher. <laughs> but, I mean, if you're the
2: catcher, you're calling every pitch. You need to get it right. You, right. Got, you got no margin for error. Right. I mean, position players. I mean, you get it It's funny how you see guys rise to the occasion to make plays that they might not normally make to preserve a no-hitter. Two outs, ninth inning. Sorry.
7: You interrupted me. Two outs, ninth inning. No, one out. One out, ninth inning. Uh, pinch hitter for the pitcher comes up. Um... Three one count. Three one count. We're winning nine nothing. I'm fastball away, right? So fastball away, middle, middle of the plate, three hundred and ninety eight feet. <clears throat> Center field. Aaron Rowan goes up, brings it back, two outs a ninth, and then uh, strikes the, the leadoff hitter out. Everett Cabrera strikes him out. Ball game. Wow. Fans are going crazy. Ended up his it was his first First time his dad had seen him pitch. He's a Puerto Rican guy, so first time his dad had been in the States to see him pitch in the big leagues. Throws a no-hitter. Unbelievable. After That's the incredible. game, after the game, Dave regetti our pitching coach, uh-huh. a longtime Yankee guy, you know, left-handed pitcher. I used to love him on RBI baseball. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So he he pulls me to the side. And he said, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "What are you talking about? We just threw a no-hitter." He said, "What are you doing? You call a three-one fastball with." One out in the ninth inning with no hitter going, I'm like, "What I was thinking? I don't we were up nine nothing, you know." So, i, don't, <laughs> oh, I was just trying no. to win the game. But anyway, <laughs> trying to win. Come so that's what, that's what I got from Rags after the game. Wow. But anyway, uh, unbelievable moment, you know, um, seeing him, his dad come down from the from the stands and and big hug, big bear hug on the, on the field is, uh, you know, I still get goosebumps thinking about it, but. um Something I'll never forget, you know. A lot of guys that played for 15 years in the big leagues never got, got an opportunity to catch a no-hitter. So.
2: No doubt. No doubt. we got about a minute and a half left. Right. You, you said the first pitcher that you faced was Randy Johnson. There's there's some
7: nice symmetry to that, though, also, isn't there? First at bat in the big leagues, Yankee Stadium, Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson may have been the last guy to win 300 games. i I Don't quote me on that, but I think he may have been the last guy to win 300 games. He signed with the Giants. I was with the Giants. He signed with the Giants in, um, I think it was 11. So he got his 300th win with the Giants, but end of the year, Boats, you know, nice gesture. Let's Randy go out to throw an inning. We're in San Diego. So I'm catching the last the last few games of the year. I got to catch his last pitch he ever threw in the big leagues. So he was my Wow. I faced him my first at bat, and I caught his last pitch he ever threw in the big leagues. You didn't happen to keep that baseball, did you? I did not. I gave it to Randy. Yeah. I gave
2: well, it Well, which was the right thing right, to do, right, but if, right. if he's like, <laughs> I'll stick in my back pocket. I, you know how many baseballs I've got? I don't need another one. And you're like, oh, just, okay, I'll put, tuck this one away. This, this might be worth something one day. Uh, Eli, thanks for stopping by, man. We, we could do this. I, I could do this for a really long time. I think Sam knows how much I love uh, baseball at, at all levels, and so – uh, it's really cool. Appreciate yeah. you coming by, and yeah, uh, one it. of one of New Albany's native sons, and uh, a lot of good things happening here. That's right, including that's right. the catering business. that's called what? The Little House. The Little House Catering. All right, so if you're looking and for event menu. catering needs, Eli's wife and Eli, uh, the Little House Catering and Events,
7: or landscape.
2: Or if you wanted to landscape your yard, all right, with, with uh, more landscaping. Are there any other free promos that we need to give before we finish this out? Uh, I already talked about your show. Go out Brain Freeze. Be sure to check them out. They bailed us out of the uh, rainstorm and gave us a place to stay dry at the end. Thanks for being with us. Don't forget Thunder and Lightning coming up next. for Michael Borkey and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Have a great night.